The Church of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut is blessed to bring you this Bible study program featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and this is Shi'ar Jashub, which in Hebrew means a remnant shall return. Today, we will be continuing a sermon in my husband's series on heavenly authority. When we left off, Pastor Greg was examining the Apostle Paul's viewpoint of the Jerusalem Council as recorded in Galatians chapter 2. Let's rejoin the author of the award-winning book, The Nature and Power of Prayer, Pastor Greg Scalzo. Verse 8, For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. The apostle was seen by their work, the fruit they bore. Peter bore fruit with the circumcised, Paul and Barnabas with the uncircumcised. Peter silences the crowd and Paul and Barnabas get up and they speak about what the Holy Spirit's done. It's just amazing to hear. The work of God proves itself effectively in me toward the Gentiles, verse 9, and when James, Cephas, that's Peter, and you see here Paul calls Cephas by his familiar name, the, Ara the Hebrew Aramaic for Peter. Um, so there had to be a closeness. Those 15 days obviously brought them into some fellowship. And John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. Well, he's done it already. He's already brought down alms for the poor in Jerusalem years before. So they're telling him, just try to remember the poor and help out. But they added nothing they gave him the right hand of fellowship. And can you imagine the Pharisee Judaizers that thought when they had started this and they brought it up before uh, the apostles with all these Jewish believers, thousands of them listening, they must have assumed they were going to win because the pressure is on Peter and James and John to conform, to be acceptable. Remember, when Peter speaks to Cornelius, if you go to Acts chapter 10, he meets Cornelius. And then chapter 11, he has to defend himself. Now, those believers are there for large part because of his ministry to them. But he's obviously clearly not brazen in his position. He's not there as some type of pontiff. He's there as a brother. And because he's there as a brother... When he comes back having preached the Gentiles and letting them be baptized, now the, the apostles and brethren who in Judea heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. And when Peter came to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, and he speaks about being in Joppa and praying, and he was in a trance and he saw a vision, and an object descending like a great sheet uh, with the four corners let down from heaven. 
He observed intently. He saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And we have that all recorded back in chapter 10. But I said, not so, Lord, for nothing common, for nothing unclean has at any time entered my mouth. So it tells you something about Peter. He's unlearned as a fisherman, but he was obedient to the law. But the voice answered me again from heaven, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now this was done three times and all were drawn up again into heaven. At the very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having uh, been sent to me from Caesarea. The spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me and we entered the man's house. And he goes on to tell about how the Holy Spirit falls on Cornelius and his whole household. But he has to defend himself. You ate with the Gentiles? So the Pharisees, the Judaizers, must have figured that once Paul gets up and Barnabas comes down there, that the apostles would have to go along with them. And you can imagine their reaction when Peter and James and John give Barnabas and Paul the right hand of fellowship. They shake hands. They say, keep doing what you're doing. Remember the poor, bring them this letter, tell them they're not under the burden of Moses' law to be circumcised. They don't have to become physical Jews. The relief for Antioch, and you, you can imagine what must have happened among those false brethren who were trying to misuse their position in the church. In verse 9 he says, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars seem to be pillars, or those reputed as pillars in the church, those who have the reputation as pillars. And back up in verse 6, but from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. Paul, as we said before, is not overawed by their reputation. They could not stop him from preaching the truth. But I have a question. Right? You, you clearly see the tone of Paul here, right? Are they pillars? Was James and Cephas, Peter, and John pillars of the church? Now, even being pillars, they're not going to stop Paul from doing what's true. But are they pillars? If you go into the scriptures and you look in Luke chapter 22, the Lord says to Peter in verse 31, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Does that seem like an important call by Messiah to Peter? You're going to fall away, Peter, but when you come back, I prayed for you, you're going to strengthen, strengthen your brethren. Later on, when, when Peter sees Jesus on the Sea of Galilee after the resurrection, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs, 
tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Was Peter a pillar in the church? All that we studied earlier, the first part of the book of Acts. Now, sometimes we focus just on the second part. Book of Acts, you really have the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And at the beginning, one of the key figures is Peter. And as you move on, one of the key figures is Paul. Uh, Revelation 21.14, now the wall of the city had 12 foundations. This is a place we're going to someday. And on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The foundations of the New Jerusalem have on them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Clearly, in the sight of God, they are pillars of the church. They are foundation stones built on Jesus Christ in the church. And yet, remember that tension, Matthew 23, but you do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you're all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You are all brethren. You are all brothers. And then Acts chapter 10 and verse 26. At the house of Cornelius, in verse 25, when Cornelius sees Peter, he fell down on his feet and worshipped him. That happens today in some religious circles. Verse 26, but Peter lifted him up saying what? Stand up, I myself am also a man. A man, a brother, and yet called to a special position. Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, strengthen your brethren, do the work I've called you to do. They are pillars. And we have the letters of each of these. We have the letters of Cephas, of Peter, of James, of John. We have three letters of John, one of James, two of Peter, as well as the letters of Paul in this book. They are pillars, right? They're pillars of the church. And as such, they would never stop Paul or Peter or anyone from preaching the truth, which the Lord had also revealed to them. And remember, when we study that Jerusalem Council, and we might have, I don't know if we concentrated on it, but if you look back at chapter 15, in verse 8, uh, this is Acts, Acts chapter 15, in verse 8, Peter in verse 7 says, reminds him how God uh, used him, that by his mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe, speaking about what happened in Cornelius' house. In verse 8, so God who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. The gospel of grace. Same gospel Paul preaches to the Gentiles. Peter knows it. Peter preaches it here. Now, therefore, why do you test God? Why do you test God by putting a yoke on their neck, on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe, this is the gospel, verse 11, that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Notice he puts them first. 
will be saved the same manner as they, not by the law, but by grace. Verse 11 could easily fit into any letter, any epistle of the Apostle Paul, but it comes out of the mouth of Peter. They knew the truth, they knew the gospel of grace, and they would never stop Barnabas and Paul from preaching it. They're not so taken with their self-importance, but they're humble to the truth of God in spite of the pressures and in spite of the Judaizers. And so you have the success of the Jerusalem Council. And that's what I want to really emphasize in this section. A council that I've heard so many different teachings on, in my mind, when you put Galatians together with Acts, it is a tremendous success on how authority should work in the church and a balance of that dynamic tension between appointed authority and independence in the sight of the Lord. Tremendous example. Join us for the next edition of Shi'ar Jashub to hear the conclusion of this sermon. Pastor Greg Scalzo's book, The Nature and Power of Prayer, winner of first place in the Fall 2017 Christian Author Awards Bible Study category, is available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, and at most bookstores. You can find more information at pastorgregscalzo.com. And do remember our church website for serious Bible study. There you can find information about Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle, including directions to our 10 a.m. Sunday service at the Madison Memorial Hall and a library of programs at shiarjashub.org. May the Lord Jesus bless you as you serve Him.